0: Hello, friends. Welcome to Medicine, Marriage, and Money podcast, the only podcast for physicians who want to achieve marital interdependence and financial freedom together. In this podcast, you will learn how to show up as the best version of yourself so that you can love intentionally and build a more financially savvy relationship with your spouse. And I am your host, a physician mom, a doctor's wife, and a relationship coach and high-performance coach. Please help me welcome our guest on today's episode of Medicine, Marriage, and Money, Dr. Hala Sabri. Dr. Hala Sabri is a board-certified emergency medicine physician, a feminist leadership coach, the founder of Physician Moms Group, affectionately known as PMG, a super mom of five with two sets of twins, and the loving wife of 15 years to an aerospace engineer. Balancing her career in medicine with her roles as a mother of five and entrepreneur has given Hala unique expertise and skill set to help other parents in the medical field. After years of infertility, she found that balancing motherhood and a career in medicine was challenging. She frequently fought through fear, negative self-talk, and recurring desire to quit her job in medicine, and she knew other mothers and physicians must have experienced the same struggles. She attributes having a solid support system, PMG, and life coaching in her helping manage her thoughts and reaffirming her why. Please welcome to my show, our guest on today's episode of Medicine, Marriage, and Money, Dr. Hollow! Dr. Hollow
1: sovereignty! I love
0: it. <laughs> I love his sound effects. That's so fun. <laughs> so, and of course, you know we know each other because you were one of my first coaches ever when I did the empowering women. Well, when I signed my husband up to do empowering women positions course with Sonny Smith and, and Hala Sabri. So yeah. And the first thing you ever coached me on Hala was, um, a Facebook group, which seems so, yeah, I know it was like, yeah. Um, and then you've been in my life ever since. So oh So I love 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 seeing you here. It's so cool to hear. <laughs> I feel like I didn't I don't even remember
1: that, but I think that's so cool that I had that impact on you. That's awesome. So Yeah.
0: And I mean, okay, so what I wanted to first start off by ask okay, first let me just ask my hardest question right off the bat. I ask everybody before we get into the nitty gritty what is your definition of marital interdependence? And I reframe that for, for some people who don't know marital interdependence, what that definition is. I was like, well, what makes a successful marriage?
1: Yeah. You know, what's funny is, um, so when we were getting married, I did not care who married us, like the who the officiant was. But um, I wanted the person that was marrying us to have known my dad because my dad passed away years before and that was just a way of incorporating my dad in the in the ceremony. So my mom picked the guy. I never met him before the day. Okay? Um, okay, I don't think I even had a conversation with him, but I may have had one. I don't remember. But he actually, and I was so nervous. I wasn't even listening. I was like, just so nervous. And so he, um, but he said something that caught my attention. And he's like, "I have married hundreds of couples, and in fact." He's like, I'm looking in the audience, or in, the, in the attendees now, and there are couples that I've married. I, I've actually been there officiant, which is true. Um, he was kind of like in the officiant circle in my community. Um, mm-hmm. And he's like, you know, but I will say that not all marriages, you know, end with this like happily ever after. Sometimes there's divorce. And um, and he's like, and I think after marrying hundreds of people and understanding Well, why people get divorced and the people I've married, I think I understand the success to marriage. Like, what's the secret? So I'm like totally like on board to listen because I'm like, oh, if you have like all the answers, because I'm like scared right now, like tell me. And um he said, he went on to describe me. And he was like, You're, you know, the daughter of so-and-so, and you went to school and you did all this stuff, and you're a doctor now, and I was an intern at the time. And Uh you know, you are who you are today and you're the best person for your husband because of all these things that you did to better yourself and to make yourself really super independent and this and that. So then he does the same for my husband. He talks about my husband and his history. I don't even, I don't remember, maybe they had a conversation, but he knew a lot about my husband Mm -hmm. and he's like, and you're the perfect person for, you know, Hala, because you did all this work on yourself and to make yourself the most perfect person for your partner. So he's like, I find he's like, there's like this, you know, saying that when you get married, you become one. He's like, but that's what I think is like the downfall of, of, of couples is when you decide that you're becoming one because you're not, you still are those two independent people. And your job is to still be the best person you can be to yourself. So you could be the best person for somebody else. And he's like, so don't, like basically don't become like, you know, codependent, like, you know, I, and I think he was talking about interdependence, even though he didn't use that word. And it was just Mm -hmm. about like, just don't forget, like you are your own person and you can only be good for that other person in your life. And this goes for whether you're married, it's your friends, your kids, like, it doesn't matter what the relationships are. If you don't love yourself and you don't invest in yourself and you don't have your own unique identity, like you're never going to be as good as you can be for somebody else. And so for me, I've always taken that to heart and, um, you know, and it's super interesting because I think my mom, I mean, my dad, you know, she was widowed, but when I look back, like a lot of their fights were really stemming from my mom's, uh, unhappiness with her own life. Like she didn't like that. She didn't have a career. She didn't like all these things. Um, and my dad was like, go, go get a career, you know? Like, so I think it was like, you know, I I mean, I'm sure it was more complicated than that. You know, I have no idea because I was a child. Right. And so, um, yeah. you know, and then when I look at my in-laws, I'm very close to my in-laws as well. Uh, my mother-in-law is like a total rock star and she just like, she's all about her own like self-care. And at first, like, because my mom was so selfless and, Like basically everything came ahead of her own needs. Like, so when I first met my mother-in-law, it was a kind of a trip for me because I was like, is this like the definition of selfish? But I think I also had to understand that being selfish is not a bad thing, right? Like we are trained and socialized to think that selfish is bad, uh, uh, but it's not right. And so even my mother-in-law, I was like, kind of like venting to her a couple of weeks ago um, about an issue and her solution to me was really like it was funny because she was like, "Well, I think you just need a week off every every month, and you just need to go spend time with your friends." And and this is like my husband's mom, right? And I was like, "Yeah, yes. I'm like, but what about my husband?" And he's like, "She's like, well, he should have that same opportunity. Like, you guys just have to prioritize that." Shows life is yeah, prioritize yourselves. Yeah, she's like, life isn't like you are really going to run yourself dry if. You're wow. trying to be all the things all the time. She's like, "When are you going to be all the time, Holla? You know, like you have to have dedicated time mm-hmm. for that." And I was like, "Oh my gosh!" So I went to my husband. I was like, "Your mom had this great idea," you know? <laughs> So he was like <laughs> rolling his eyes. So I'm like, "Hey, your mom said it. I think it's a great idea." So
0: that yeah, that is so refreshing because you know, here's so many mother-in-laws or so many mothers who are like constantly tra- telling telling uh, people that they're not they're not doing enough or their life isn't that bad or you know. It, they don't have as bad as what they had. Right. But Mm -hmm. your, your mother-in-law sounds like she's not bringing her past into, into it. She's not trying to live through, you know, make you somebody you're not. She's like, yeah, be Hala. Spend time being Hala. She brings the best of her past. Like she, she does teach me
1: from her mistakes and her plans and decisions that she made that she didn't know that were great at the time, but you know, are great now. And so I think she just I don't think our relationship was like this right when we got married, but I think especially my, I lost my mom four years ago and especially since I lost my mom. I mean, I've always been close to my mother-in-law um, having a, I, so having a close relationship with my in-laws was really important to me because I was engaged before my, I, I was engaged to my husband. I was engaged to somebody else and that relationship was really not good. And when I look back and I, and I loved his mom so much. Like his mom was so amazing. Um, your current, your current husband, my, my previous, uh, your fiance. P- okay, okay. fiance. I mean, all, I guess all of my okay. boyfriend's moms have been amazing. I guess I've, okay. they're, they're awesome. <laughs> but, uh, my previous f- fiance that, you know, I did not get married to his mom was really awesome, but the relationship was really bad. But when I got to spend more time with her and this is after I was engaged, um, I realized why it was so bad. And it was because literally like my ex fiance was like a mimic of his dad and his dad was a very super nice person and lovely and very charismatic, but, um, but the relationship between he and his wife, so my future mother and father-in-law was just not mm-hmm. a marriage I w- I envisioned in my life at all. Like their norms were not norms for me at all. Like that's not how my parents lived. That's not how they were. They had a very much like a father-daughter relationship like very much like controlling. Like she had to ask for permission to go everywhere and that's not how I was raised in any way. And that's when we were dating it wasn't like that, but the minute that ring was on my finger, like it was like almost I had a, it was very abusive, like very emotionally abusive. Um and I was like, "Wait, I felt like I was like bamboozled." I was like, "Wait a second, you weren't like this." Like and I kept like blaming myself for not seeing red flags and things like that, but I think he knew the social construct of like, you know, how to get to that point of like getting engaged and then like the real you comes out. Right. And so, and that happens with every depth of the relationship, whether you're going from like boyfriend, girlfriend, or from friends to boyfriend, girlfriend, to engaged to like married, to married with kids. Right. And then maybe grandkids. I don't know. I have, I don't have grandkids yet, but I think you know, I think as that commitment, you know, kind of grows, like you see more of that person kind of coming through. So what I learned from that relationship, instead of hating myself for, you know, um not knowing the future, right? Like not knowing what was gonna happen, is I learned like know the parents really well because that is what they think is their norm. Even if they see the pathology in their parents, like you I mean, it's just a routine. Like you you have to unlearn that, right? Like, and all of us have things about our fa- parents' relationship that you like and that you don't like, right? But um, wow. so when I met my husband, uh, like literally, like we knew really early on that it was going to be a really serious relationship. So we only, dated uh-huh. for si- we only dated for six months and then we got engaged. But um, in those weeks, like the first three weeks, I was like, I need to know your parents because I'm not going to go down the same rabbit hole. (laughs) Uh, And so there was a weekend he was actually going to be traveling out of town and he was living with his parents at the time, just right after college. And he was just saving money for a house Mm -hmm. and stuff. So he was still home. And so he was like, "Oh, Oh no, no, he was living in Connecticut. Anyways, he was between his house and, he had a closer place to his work. Um, anyways, he was leaving. Okay. He was going to Florida for like a weekend. And I was like, hey, can I go spend time with your parents? Can I go spend the weekend with your parents? And he's like, without me?
0: And <laughs> yeah, that is kind of a strange question for most like, people. Yeah.
1: I want to know. I want to know about that. I'm not going to tell him because like my ex was psycho, but like, okay. I like, you know, I was like, I need to know, like, this is, you know, I think it's important. So Anyways, he was like, let me – and I think I made up something like, oh, I have to be in New Jersey anyways for a rotation or something. I think I, like, made it up, you know. And so he was like, okay. So he asked his parents, and his parents were like, sure. And I found out just a couple months ago that I guess the way he presented to his parents are like, hey, I'm really serious about this girl. I need you to check her out and see if she's as amazing as I think she is. So we're both, like, kind of, like, doing this deep interview on references, right? And so – um. So yeah, so I spent the weekend there and I was legit like testing them so much. Like one of the things I couldn't do with my previous possible mother-in-law from my ex-fiance was one time I was at her house and I was cooking with her because I wanted to learn, Mm -hmm. uh, they were a different culture than me. So I just wanted to learn like how she makes some of the favorite meals and they were really good. Mm -hmm. And so there was like the sale at Macy's at the time. And so I was like, oh my gosh, there's a sale at Macy's. It was like something crazy, like 80% off. So I was like, let's go. And she was like, okay. So she goes to call her husband to ask for permission, which I was like, whoa, okay. And then he said no, because he's going to be home in five hours. Mind you, like, you know, we could probably do Macy's in like an hour. Right. But like, it was just so yeah. interesting. Like I'll be home at some point today. So no, you can't go out, you know? Um, and so she was like, okay, she's like, I'm sorry, I can't go. And I was like, what? So anyway, so when I was at my, my now mother-in-law's house. I was Mm -hmm. like, we'd just be sitting there and we'd like have tea and watch movies and, you know, whatever, talk. And then I was like, I kind of want to, I want to go to Macy's like, and then she's like, all right, let's go. So she's just like, go get her coat. And I'm like, whoa. And I was like, you don't have to ask your husband or tell your husband. She's like, no, why? He has, he has my cell phone. Like, you know, he can call me if he doesn't like, you know, he's a big boy. Right. And I was like, oh my gosh, this woman. And then it also told me a lot about how my husband's dad was my husband's dad is like super hands-on like I was at that weekend like he would like be vacuuming and I'm like oh do you want me to vacuum he's like no this is my job this, I do vacuuming and she does this and I do that and you know and they both worked and they both contributed to the household And I was like okay all right you can propose now because I, I think I'm okay now <laughs>
0: Oh my gosh. That is so awesome. Are you, are you going to tell your kids to go do this too? spend a weekend with their, when they fall in love with somebody? <laughs> um,
1: I have, have not thought that far right now. I'm still in the depth of diaper, like potty training my last ones, but yeah, maybe, maybe that's the thing, or who knows? Like maybe it's going to be like, um, the new metaverse, like where they get to like live with them, like in the metaverse or something, who knows? You never yes.
0: Know. Oh my gosh. I, I love my in-laws as well. I'm a very, very family, like very family oriented person. I mean, growing up in like in a Latina family. So yeah, family is very important and people don't, they can be blindsided when they, when they don't get to know the family at all until after the marriage. And then, yeah, the family can sometimes move in to your life without realizing Mm it. Yeah. How was it? How was it that you found your, your husband fell in love (laughs)
1: We met on MySpace, right? So, like, that's hilarious because that's, like, multiple, you know, generations of social media ago. Um, Yeah, actually, I -hmm. I had a friend who was on MySpace. I was not interested in it at all. I was in medical school. I was too busy for it. And she, uh, my friend, um, this is when, like, they had, for people who are not familiar with MySpace, like, you would have, like, your top eight friends. And I guess that's supposed to Mm -hmm. mean mean something about you. Like, I guess who your, you know, closest eight connections are or whatever. And so she... um, she's so awesome. So she, um, she is a lesbian. And so she wanted her top eight to be these beautiful women that were all diverse. Right. And so she made me make a profile. And she was so I, like, I just like took a picture, I put it up there, whatever. And she was able to add me to her top eight. She's like, No, you have to fill out a bio. So you don't look like you're like a fraud. You know, and I was like, what? I was like, Yeah, oh, I knew nothing about this, you know. So I put like something really basic. Like I was like, I was already a fourth year medical student or third year medical student Mm -hmm. I was like, uh, my name is Hala. I'm Egyptian. I just moved from California to New York. I don't even know if I wrote anything else. Right. (laughs) And so that was okay for her that passed the test. And so every time she had a new date with a new girl, she'd be like, Oh my God, Hala, go on here. Check out this girl's profile. Tell me if you think she's hot. And I'm like, okay. So I would do it. Uh Uh, And that's the only time I would ever sign in. And so one time I signed in and it said that I had two messages in my inbox. And so I clicked on it, and one of them's from Tom, the guy who owns the platform, which I never saw before. It was probably always there. And then, oh, okay, okay, yeah, some guy that owned it, right? I don't know what he's doing now. And then the second one was from my husband, and uh, I don't even know how the last time I logged on to this thing, but the but he had just sent a message the day before, and so I was like, oh, so I was like, what is this guy? You know, and so I open it, and it was a really thoughtful message. I did not get vibes of like I'm trying to hit on you, you know or anything like that. Uh And, um, and there was dating websites and things like that. Uh, Like match.com was around during that time. So I wasn't used to like this platform being used for like hookups and things like that. So I get on there and he was like, Hey, I read that you moved from California to New York. I moved also from New Jersey to Connecticut. It's not really as long of a distance as you did. But one of the things I'm kind of struggling with is, um, you know, living at with my parents or around my parents because you know he lived on campus for a while, but that wasn't very far. Mm-hmm. Like maintaining his culture was really easy. We're both Egyptian and he was like, you know, I can go home and have a home cooked Egyptian meal. Or, you know, if there's a mm-hmm. if there's a celebration for a religious holiday, like the family was already getting together. And he's like, I don't really have that, you know, out here. He's like, have you noticed that issue? And how have you resolved it? I did not get vibes of like, I think you're hot. Let's go on a date. I did not get that at all. You know? So I was like, that's a really damn good question. I was like, I don't know. Like I've just been so busy. I haven't even been able to realize that I don't have community, um, you know, an Arab community. And so I messaged him back and then he messaged me and then vice versa. Um, and so we just kept going back and forth. And I never thought anything of it because the conversation was so intellectual. Uh-huh. And um, it wasn't creepy, like, you know, whatever. He wasn't like, oh, my God, you're so beautiful. Wow. You know, whatever. He, nothing. Like, it was just very, very intellectual. And he was very familiar to me. Like, he reminds me of, the like, the best parts of my brother and my dad together. And so I was like really drawn to him, but he's three and a half years younger than me. So in my head, I was like, oh, he's kind of going to be like a little brother to me. That's going to be awesome. And he had just gotten out of a relationship and I got out of a relationship. Uh, We both were cheated on. And so I felt like we like bonded over that. Like literally, we just got out of relationships like the week prior or something or two weeks prior. So I was not looking for anything. You know, I was like, I'm about to enter into my last year of medical school. I'm about to try to do the match. I'm going to go my, I had thought that I was going to go match in Chicago and then I was going to marry another resident that was at the Mm -hmm. hospital. So I decided that for myself. And so he wasn't on my radar. And then finally, like, I don't know, two weeks later or something like that, we ended up going on our first um, meetup, which I thought was just like for fun, you know, Uh and then it turned into a date. And uh, then we got engaged six months later you know? So, Oh my God. Well, he probably had a
0: different perspective.
1: Oh yeah. He was like, what do you mean you didn't know? He's like, are you that naive that people just have like conversations? (laughs) Intellectual conversations. Yes. Yeah. He's like, well, I don't want to marry someone stupid. You could be hot, but you can't be stupid. You know, he's like, I need to make sure you have got some brains, you know?
0: So, ah, Oh my gosh. And then, okay. So then you got engaged six months later and then you got married. Oh, you got married that a year so you later in
1: your internship. Yeah. I did five years in medical school. Cause I did my MBA and I did a pre-doctoral fellowship in okay. OMT. Okay. So I, w- I met him in the end of my fourth year, but I did five years. So we got married, we got engaged in October and got married the following November.
0: Okay. Yeah. Well, let's fast forward a little bit. Let's fast forward to when you guys decide you want to have kids and mm-hmm. your infertility journey or your fertility journey, sorry, your fertility journey. Mm-hmm. And, um, how that affected your relationship?
1: Oh yeah, that was hard. I mean, I think neither one of us saw that coming at all. Um, but you know, I mean, I actually that's not that's not true. I I was scared it was a possibility because my cousin, my my first cousin, she struggled with um, fertility issues, and my mom had a maternal aunt that also could never get pregnant. So like, I think in my head, I was like, Oh, what if that happens to me? But also my mom had no problem getting pregnant. So I was like, well, it probably won't happen to me. So when we, um, we actually started trying like at the end of my intern year, um, well, we thought we were pregnant actually. Cause we, you know, anyways, I thought I was pregnant because I miscalculated like when my period should be, I was like a tired intern. Okay. And we were flying from California to New York or to New Jersey for his brother's wedding. And I remember like getting on the plane, I was post-call. I was like super, super tired. And, um, I'm like, you know, doing this like mental checklist of everything that I'm just make sure I packed everything. Cause I packed it like in a post-call days and I'm like, okay. oh, I'm about to start my period. Like I need to make sure I have tampons. And so I started mm-hmm. like thinking about it and I was like, Oh shoot. Like we totally timed sex wrong this month because I wasn't on birth control, because I didn't like how it made me feel. So we were literally doing, Uh I mean, as a doctor, like, this is not great advice, right? So like, like, we were literally just avoiding (laughs) ovulation week, right? But it was working. But we didn't know, we didn't know it was Uh working, because there was infertility Uh issues. But um, yeah, so I remember looking into my husband, and I was like, Oh, my God, I'm pregnant. Right? With no data, okay, like no test, no nothing. I was like, No, I (laughs) think I'm pregnant. And he was like, why? Like, why do you think that? And so I told him, so he's not in medicine. He's an engineer. So he's assuming that I'm expert in this. Right. So he's like, Oh my God. So we went through all the stages of like grief from, you know, the flight from California to New Jersey. And then we finally were in acceptance mode by the time we landed. Uh, but I wasn't pregnant, but my period was like three days late, which is abnormal for me. Okay. Um, oh. so we were like actually getting excited and so then we took a pregnancy test. We went to, like, CVS. And so I was in there peeing on the stick with him in the bathroom because we were so damn excited. And I had just, like, started my period. And I was like, and we were so sad. And then we were like, wait, maybe we're ready if we're so sad. And so we're like, let's try. Yeah. So, um, so we tried to get pregnant, like, you know, uh, like, for every month. And after six months, like, it just wasn't happening. And I was like, I think something's wrong. Mm-hmm. So we went to a clinic, but I'll say, you know, we didn't get pregnant for five years. Um, we tried many different ways and, um, I mean the problems I, I, there was, we were like in the unexplained infertility category, but I think I actually had decreased ovarian reserve through Mm -hmm. that all. Uh, that's what the final, I think diagnosis was after five years. Uh, but who knows by the time I was done with this thing in five years that maybe I created that or I don't, I'm not really sure, but I think that that was the hardest time on our marriage because it's like a lot of uncertainty and things that you can't control, especially Mm -hmm. for two really accomplished people that, like, it's like money can't buy it. You know, you can't just study harder for the test, right? Mm -hmm. Like, so, like, all of the ways that we've uh, compensated to get to where we are now, those rules don't apply to infertility or fertility journey. So,
0: gosh, yeah.
1: So, yeah, so it was really hard. There was lots of times I thought maybe maybe this is a sign that I wasn't meant to be with him. And we actually had some talks about maybe when 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 do we call it quits? Like, and does that mean that we divorce and try to have kids with new people? Or do we adopt? What do we do? You know? So those were really hard conversations. Mm
0: -hmm. Because you guys each knew that, like, yeah, how did you decide, I mean, that if, what's more important having kids or staying together i think we
1: both thought that having kids was more important okay i don't think we actually had a conversation about that i think we just maybe individually thought that or thought the other person thought that i don't know but mm-hmm. kids were really important mm-hmm. to us like even when we were dating we would talk a lot about kids um and like when we first started dating like lost the tv show was like a big deal at that time and i remember mm-hmm. we'd watch it and, you know, the names of the on the opening credits would come up. And Evangeline Lily is one of the um, lead actresses in the show. And every time we'd see her name, we're like, oh, it's such a beautiful name. When we have a daughter, we want to name her Evangeline. And so it was just part of, like, all of our dating experience, like, talking about names and talking about, like, our kids right. and our future. It was, like, a very like forward thinking relationship. And so I think it wasn't a choice between us. I think to have kids, like, to not have kids. Right. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, so it was really trying. And I think the more, I, I think I was pushing this. I think my husband was like, well, we can have kids lots of ways. I'm like, no, it must be this way. And so I think I was a little bit more stringent on it. Um, but now I look back and I think it's a little silly. You know, I think, it, you know, I think we're socialized to believe as women, especially depending on your culture, um, that you know, having kids is supposed to be a certain way, um, and mm-hmm. that's what I subscribed to. And so, I thought if I did not have kids that way, that I would be considered a failure so in some way, right? And then I projected that onto him, um, mm-hmm. for what either it was his fault or maybe the words we not meant to be or whatever it may be. So, and then oh, you yeah, did I have kids, five.
0: then you did, yeah. you had five kids, yeah, so.
1: Yeah, you know, there's a lot of times we're looking at each other at the end of the night and we're like, why the heck did we do this? This was all, we overcompensated for, you know, our problem. But I think also growing a family rapidly is really trying on a marriage. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're about to celebrate our 15 year anniversary and I'll tell you that there's been lots of rocky points. Um, you know, and it, what I think is special about my marriage with my husband is that we do not fight about money, Um And we don't really even fight about parenting, which I think are, like, the biggest stressors, like, my thoughts on, you know, um, marriage and divorce. Uh I think those are the biggest stressors for people. Um, I mean, but, like, we're pretty type A people. So we we fight over, like, lots of other things, like, (laughs) like, if we're cooking, like, you know, which – which um, order to put the ingredients in. Like, we'll fight to the death about that, <laughs> <What>? you know? <laughs> so, like, really, like, we fight about really crazy things. Like, it's very, like, type A, like, like, if I have an idea of, like, what car we should take on what outing and, like, he has a different idea, we'll fight about that. Like, just, like, stupid stuff. Like, even me saying it out loud, I'm like, oh, my God, this is so dumb. But do we fight about like – we're really good business partners. And I'll tell you, my dad gave me advice when I was younger. I was dating this guy, and I was, like, so in love with him, and I thought he was the one. And my dad was like, no, he is definitely not the one. And um, I was like, but I love him, Daddy. And he was like, I don't care. Love is not enough. And he gave this whole conversation to me, and he was like, And he was telling me why this guy would not be good for me. And um, so he he was like, you know, you should marry somebody that you would want to go into business with. And I was like, okay, I'm listening. And so my ex, he owned – his family owned a group of like uh, clothing stores and malls. Okay. But they – the way that their business model was is that they would actually have to be the people running the store. So they didn't trust – like other people, they wouldn't scale their business by having that, like they might have like, you know, seasonal hourly people, but like, they would never have like a manager that would manage it. And then they would be at home collecting a paycheck. Yeah. Like they were there from like, they would say gate to gate, you know, open to close. And my dad is like, you realize like that lifestyle doesn't gel with your lifestyle. And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, we go on like four major vacations a year. When's the last time that man has been on vacation? It doesn't matter how stable or if he has a business or he has money, if he can't use it and he can't do anything
0: with it, then what's the, what's the use? Oh my gosh. That is such good advice. That's what your father said. Yeah. 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 Because you know what? That is so interesting because yeah, I have friends who are are kind of like mentality too. Like they don't trust anybody. They've got to do everything in their family, whether it's cooking, cleaning, watching the kids or whatever. And, but it works for them because they both have that same mentality, Whereas Victor and I like to outsource a lot of things, and uh, yeah, yeah, and like manage lots of businesses together, and I never even thought about that, but um, that makes so much sense now. Yeah. So for anybody who's listening, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think just check in
1: on what like, like what I mean. I think a lot of people they don't ask this question to themselves or to their kids. Like they ask a lot of questions of like, who do you want to marry, or what do you want to be? And I think the question now that I will be asking instead of those questions is, what do you want your life to look like? Because every variable outside of that can fit into that model. But I think we get down, and I think it's almost like a getting sucked into the checklist of life. Like, okay, husband, check. Money, check. Like, and all these things. But if you don't look at the overall picture, like all those things, they're guaranteed to happen. If you If you want to be married, if you want to have kids, Like, you know, you could figure that out, right? We could, you know, obviously there's like lots of bumps in the roads and barriers. I'm not, Mm -hmm. I'm not glossing over that. But like, if you don't know what the overall life that you want to lead, what that looks like, then like, it doesn't matter if you have all the ingredients, if they don't work together to gel into the result that you want. And so I think for me, I just started thinking more about like, what is the life that I really want to create? And even now having that opportunity, uh, now that I have all my kids and stuff, like I've been thinking Mm -hmm. about that a lot. Like. Even right bef- right before COVID, I started thinking about this. We actually spent a month in Egypt, and um, and that's the first time we've gone to Egypt with kids. Uh-huh. And uh, we went right before COVID, right before, COVID. Right before COVID. COVID. Yeah, summer of nineteen, mm-hmm. and um, we were there. We had a really great time, but I think it opened up like a lot of discussions between my my husband and I about like what we, what do we want our life to look like, and mm-hmm. what does that mean. And so we kind of went through like. I mean, I remember sitting on the beach with him every single day and just talking about what kind of experience do we want to give our kids? What kind of experience do we want to give ourselves? You know, and so we had thought about this like awesome plan, you know, mm-hmm. and, you know, COVID hit, but that doesn't mean that the planning stops. Like we could still plan for that and we could still aim for that and we can get all the pieces in there and then have that overall result, you know? So, so now you have like a working goal and it, and the goal isn't like, I think a lot of people get stuck in like, oh, I just need to pay off debt. Um, but the thing is like, maybe you'll always be in debt in some way, right? Like, or, okay, you're going to go pay off debt. And then, and then what happens? Like I did the same thing. So I was like, I just need to pay off my debt. So then I paid off all my debt. And I was like, now I don't have like a goal. Like, what's my goal? And all my goals are going to put me in a little bit of debt like, until I get there. Right. And so I had this like really weird, like, you know, kind of tug of war in my brain. So I think now we have a better idea of what we want. Um, okay. And so now we just,
0: can you tell me, can you tell me what that is? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, um, so one of the things is my husband was not actually that, um, fulfilled with his job that he was working. Like he loves his job, but he wanted to advance a lot more in the company he was at. It just wasn't moving in that direction. And, and, but he had a lot of limiting beliefs on like what he could do. He works in the rocket industry, so they only develop rockets in certain locations of the world, and there's only so many companies involved in that, and also with what he wants to do and what the high-level touching points of this process that he wants. like There's only Mm -hmm. so many opportunities for him, Um, but most of them are outside of where we were living in Los Angeles. Um, or some of them I should say. So that was the first thing I was like, well, I think, you know, going back to our marriage vows, like, you know, if you're not satisfied, if you're not fulfilled, like it doesn't matter how fulfilled and satisfied I am, you know? And so he decided to start looking for a new job months later. And then we ended up moving to Seattle. So we're here in Seattle now and he's living his best life at work and he loves it and he's happy. And so now that he's more established in his career and I've already established myself in my career, which was like the first 10 years of our marriage, you know uh, now we're both like in this like happiness in our career and our fulfillment and stuff like that. We started thinking about, okay, now what do we want to do? And it's not about thinking about retirement. It's about how do you live? Like you're retired now right and it's not just about money it's like what are you going to do with that money when you have it right or what are you going to do with that time when you have it so what we're envisioning is and this is like my my five year 10 year dream whatever it is however many years it takes is we had a great time in egypt and one of the things we're both egyptian and he's lived there when he was really young until he was five i've never lived there but i want my kids to know the culture like they're so far removed from it like we don't i mean my husband and i both speak arabic but he speaks arabic more fluently than I do. And so I don't really speak it at at all because I'm like, oh, it's imperfect. And so I won't speak at all because that doesn't make sense, but it does in my head, in my head. (laughs) So, um, so the kids don't really understand a lot of Arabic at all, you know? And so Mm -hmm. when we went to Egypt, it was so funny the first night, uh, (laughs) we're at this like little playground like thing. And this little boy was trying to talk to my daughter And he's speaking Arabic and, you know, she's like trying to understand what he's saying and she has no idea. So she comes back to me and she's like, this boy is trying to tell me something, but I don't understand him. And so I said, well, what, what does the word sound like? Maybe I can help you, you know? And she's like, I don't know, mom, he's talking in Egypt, Spanish. And I was like, (laughs) oh man, like these kids are like not cultured at all in our own culture. And so I was like, okay, let's like, let's like teach them some stuff. Like, so stuff like, stuff like you know, my name is like, how are you? And my, you know, I'm fine and hello <laughs> and goodbye. So that's what we like concentrated on the trip, but it was like so foreign to them. And it kind of made mm-hmm. my husband and I sad because we're like, you know, does that mean that our culture and our connection to our, to our heritage stops with our generation, like me and my husband. Mm-hmm. So we decided it was really important to us. Uh, so. Uh, and we had a great time. The kids had a great time. Um, we were like on the beach all summer and the beaches are like just so super amazing. Um, and, uh, anyways, a lot of people don't even believe that there's places like that in Egypt at all. Um, and, um, so when we were there, the kids were just like, I wish we could live here you know and i was like yeah we wish we could live here too um but you know the thing is we can really we can really try to like get a nice place out there and use that place as a hub to travel in the summers like to different parts that are you know more southern africa and parts of mm-hmm. europe um i really want their classroom to be real life lived experiences around the world and that's how i grew up but I'd love to have that proximity to the places I want them to, to learn from. So, my husband and I were talking about this. And so, we got really inspired. They were selling houses where we were at. So, we went and looked. We put a house on hold for two days. And then we we're like, wait a second, this is like a really spontaneous <laughs> decision. <laughs> um, and we don't have the cash right now. And they don't, they don't do like loans there. So, when was this? When was you about to buy this house in Egypt? It's summer of 19.
0: Oh, okay. this is all the okay. same
1: trip. Okay. This is all happening right then. So we're like, okay, well, this is a spontaneous move. We don't know if this is like the right thing, but let's like, take some time to think about it and let's, let's move mm-hmm. forward with it. So we're still, we're still on the path, same, same exact path. Like we haven't changed in the last three years. And we're, we, next time we go to Egypt, we'll probably revisit the whole thing too. Yeah. Um, okay. and now I have a, more contacts there with, you know, different realtors and things like that. I kind of understand a little yeah. bit more, but like, you know, but even having those conversations like, you know, what 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 do we want our life to look like when the kids are all grown and gone to college? Like, not to decide it then, but decide, decide it now and build that, you know. And the yeah. thing is, like, we, we still envision, like, the kids being part of our lives after they go to college, like, you know, however they want. So we just really want to build that atmosphere. So, like, just really – you know, and, and, and where I want to be in my business and where he wants to be in his business. And we've like kind of talked about a lot of that. And what do we have to do now to set our foundation up for that future? And so we've done a lot of that like kind of future self. Um, you know, someone someone okay. asked me last week, like who my mentor is. And like, mm-hmm. I kind of think about that because I do have a lot of mentors, like some of them don't even know, like it's like this like nonverbal mentorship that I'm like ad- admiring them, you know, but I uh-huh. think that the best mentor I've ever met is like my future self, and. She knows exactly where I want to be, and she actually knows how to get there. She knows who to ask so I can get to there. Um, but no one's going to advocate more for myself than my future self. And so I've really been doing a lot more future self work with myself and my husband, and us as an entity too, which is a, a different entity than you know us individually. Um, and so that's been really, really fun.
0: Um, wow, it's a work in progress. do you guys sit down routinely to discuss this type of stuff or do you do it more
1: on your own? So we used to have like business meetings. I know that you and Victor do. Um, We used to have business meetings like once a month, but since COVID that really hasn't happened since we're like always home. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. But I will say that, you know, the way I've structured my life now, you know, there's like an hour to an hour and a half a day that it's just me and my husband. And we like, we like kind of bond. We'll like watch whatever Netflix show we're trying to binge at that time, you know, mm-hmm. we'll do crossword puzzles or we'll just talk about whatever's going on in the day um, or okay. whatever it may be. And so it comes up in regular conversation between the two of us. Like even when we're making a decision, like right now we're deciding to like w- whether we should put an addition on the house, uh, okay. which is really a ne- necessity right now for us. But I'm like, well, how does that affect our future plans? Like, do we, do right. we really want to do that? And so that's like, even that's the conversation we are having last night, you know? So, that's really fun just to have that time and not to feel like we have to do it one day of the whole month and prepare for it. But actually we right. get that opportunity every single day to talk to each other, you know, from 9 PM mm-hmm. to ten That's like our time, you know, that we have, you mm-hmm. know, together like a standing, standing meeting time.
0: Yeah, no, that's brilliant because I mean, if you have that addition onto your house, you want to move to Egypt, I guess you could just sell it. So, right. You could just have multiple different possibilities because who knows what's actually never a straight line.
1: Yeah, I mean, we don't want to live anywhere for full time. I think that's the thing, right? Like we, we're we're like looking at it to be like a little bit like nomads, but you know, a little bit more consistent nomads, I guess, if that's a, such a thing. But um, yes, but yeah, I just want my kids to have experiences, and um, mm-hmm. you know, one of the one of the things I did with my coach Sonia Wright, which I know you know. Um, oh yeah. So about a year and a half ago, I did some future self work on just myself, not us as an entity, not you know. Uh, you know, not like our marriage or anything like that, but just like for me, I was like working with, through a lot of body image issues um, and I was doing some future self work and my future self was, uh, she was, she was, well, first of all, she's so amazing. So she, she was like super bougie, super awesome. And she was like planning <laughs> this trip to do this like African safari um, and staying at this one hotel that she's always wanted to stay at. And she has a stylist and the stylist, she just sent, stylist knows all of her measurements she sends like, you know, the looks that she wants her stylist, Silas sends all of that back to her just in a suitcase. So that way I'm already packed, you know, and, huh. and you know, it's like, you know, this is all dreaming, right. It's just like dreaming, right. Yes. big. Yes. So, you know, then, you know, we go back and we think like, well, why can't you have that now? And there's so much that comes up, you know, some of the things that came up for me, like uh, I think uh, African safari is expensive. Um, I, all of a sudden, even though I plan tons of trips, I don't know how to plan that one. um, you know, and then also, like, you know, a lot of the body image stuff that comes up, like, I'm not worthy of beautiful new clothes. Like, you know, all of those things that come up. Um, so working through that uh, – so actually, I'm, we're, we're doing that trip next next summer. Not this summer, coming up next summer in 2023. And um, and you have a stylist or you're going to hire a stylist and she's going to – Yeah, no, I have a – a stylist I already connected with. I used to work on a TV show and he worked on the t- same TV show, but I have not met with him yet. I've been in the middle of surgery. So once I'm done with all the surgeries, I'm going to be going to him and, um, you know, at least getting like a couple pieces from my closet. I don't know. I'll probably do rent the runway or something until then. But like, I, th- I just think it's so fun though. I think it's so fun to dream and then to identify your barriers of getting that dream. And just because you dream it doesn't mean that you're going to do it, but it's just understanding like what's possible for you. Um, And that's Mm -hmm. a very different thought process than what I used to think just a couple of years ago. It was like, I'm just trying to get to tomorrow. Like there's probably people who are listening right now going, must be nice, Hala, because I am like super struggling in survival mode, right? And believe me, I did too. And I was there. And if I allow myself now, I could still be in
0: that space. Um, I definitely could. It's so easy to get day-to-day to-do list. That's all we focus on. And if that's all you focus on, you don't have space to dream, to open up these possibilities. Yeah. 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 And the to-do list, I think, is
1: like an evil way of us setting up this like m- metric of productivity, which is false. So there's a difference between being busy and being productive. I think mm-hmm. people who are very to-do list – and people meaning my, my past self. Uh, <laughs> so I'm talking about me, you guys. So don't take it personally. <laughs> like I think – When I was busy, I thought I was really productive, but busy is just going through through your to-do list and checking off the things. Uh, Productive is looking at results, right? And what did you produce? Actually, what was the result from it? Not, oh my gosh, I'm so thankful that my to-do list is gone. Or, oh, I'm so thankful my inbox is at zero. No, what is the result of all of those things? Because you probably think, oh, like I have all this free time. That's not a result. Like, what are you doing with that free time? What did you want to do? because right now you're so damn exhausted that you're just like scrolling Facebook, listening to podcasts, watching Netflix. Like, I mean, you should listen to this podcast Like, do not hang up. Yeah. But like, (laughs) but like, you know, you can buffer with like a lot of different other activities and think that you're being really productive. Right. And so I just decided I'm just not going to exhaust myself. So I legit Mm -hmm. just pick three things a week that I'm going to do. And those three things are made for a result that I want. And the result is never, you know, tricking myself to, you know, being this like perfect person. It's always towards my result. Like, how is this going to help me with my business so I can actually create the life I want of living overseas during the summer and traveling, you know, through all these countries that I just read about and I want to know more about, you know, um, that's what I think I want for my family and for me, you know, I would love to have that experience, but, um. It's gonna take work. It's gonna take hard work and it's gonna take being productive and being mission driven and living a values based life. And that's how I am choosing to live now.
0: Oh my gosh, I love it. Yay. And, you know, I, I uh, the other thing I, y- you said earlier that I just like really stood out is when you told your husband, you know, that even though you were fulfilled, like if he's not fulfilled, then the, you, could, you can't go on. Like you've gotta find a way, right? Because a lot of us were like, Uh, A lot of us and us, meaning me, (laughs) maybe past self, like if I'm fulfilled, then he's got to go figure things out. But, but I like how you just, you were a team. Like that was a team approach there too. Like you really, you can't fulfill him, right? He's got to go find it on his own, but you're able to, um, to stand by his side
1: Yeah. And I don't even think at that time that he knew he was feeling unfulfilled because I think he also, I mean, just like women are socialized to believe that we need to be productive to, you know, that equals our value or whatever it may be and our worth. Men also, and this is all generality, you guys. I mean, this all depends on like what your norms were growing up and your cultural beliefs and religious beliefs and all these things. But I think for my husband, I think there was this belief system that like his job is to like work really hard despite his happiness to provide for the family because that's his role, a very traditional role. And I was like, it doesn't help me if you come home and you're so dissatisfied and upset and overwhelmed. Like that's not the life that I think you want to live to support somebody at the expense of your mental health and your, and your fulfillment. Right. And so just realizing that, and I think when he started seeing that I, I mean, cause I went through my own period of, you know, unfulfillment. Um, but when he saw that I was actually going through like coaching as a client And I was actually finding out what fulfillment meant to me. It's almost like living in a house with somebody that is on a diet and loses like 50 pounds. And all of a sudden, people around them are like, how did you do that? You know? And the person's like, oh, yeah, I just exercised and ate right. That's always what it comes down to, right? And so then the person's like, well, I want to start doing that, right? So I think that it's like that brain diet that you go on where you start to realize like, okay, what are you putting in your brain? What is your brain putting out? And making sure that it's exactly what you want uh, for the health of your mental health and your thought process. So when I started making changes, like I think he started noticing my vocabulary was changing the way I was thinking about things was changing. Um, I was a lot less from thinking from a scarcity mode. Um, I wasn't really in abundance yet, but I was like in this neutral space. And that was like a big, big change for me. So he was mm-hmm. like, wait, what, what the hell are you doing? Like, what are you, what are you doing? Like, you know um, I want to do it too. And so that's when we just started working on it together. And um, and I find that that's, um, like, a story of a lot of people, of, of couples especially, um, or friends, or, you know, whatever close relationship you have, you know, when some person starts to make a change, whether it's mental or physical, the other person starts to, like, kind of, well, one, be supportive and then also carry on. And if they're not, you know, honestly, like, you know, there was a point where I was like, oh, man, if my husband doesn't, like, you know, catch up to me, I'm scared for our relationship, you know? Um Yeah, you know? And, uh, so I'm glad that he's caught up
0: (laughs) That he did. Yeah. (laughs) And you know, we, you touched on money a little bit too, like how this never been something that you fought about. How do you structure that in your life or your day to day, month to month, year to year so that somebody manages the finances? How does that work in your marriage?
1: Um, Wait, Kate, I do have to go though. I have a client at 10. You have to go? Yeah, but I can can take the rest of this on another time if you want. Oh, I didn't
0: realize it was already, yeah, it's an hour. Okay. Yeah, why don't we do, well, we're pretty much, we're pretty much, we pretty much wrapped it up. Okay. Okay. So you go. Okay. And we'll like maybe do a five or 10 minute close sometime else. Okay. Oh my gosh, y'all! Okay, I don't know if you noticed, but I was totally fangirling the whole time. Holla's kind of like one of those superstars to me. Um, I don't know, maybe, maybe just the fact that she has like a Facebook group or a couple of Facebook groups with 140,000 people who adore her. Maybe something like that. <laughs> She's kind of like a Taylor Swift. So, anyway, the, our interview did end a little abruptly. We noticed the time got away from me and she had to get to a coaching call. So that's okay. Life goes on. Nothing has gone wrong. So I am still here to share my three big take-home points from Dr. Hala Sabri. Number one, live like you're retired now. This doesn't necessarily mean that you can quit your job Live like you have a bottomless trust fund. It's not necessarily monetary. It just means really evaluate your life and figure out if you're doing what you want to be doing. Decide if every single thing on your to-do list, on your plate, is something you want to be doing. Every single role. List all the roles you have in your life. Mother, wife, you're an entrepreneur or a physician. Uh, Maybe you run you run a social media campaign for here, whatever it is you do figure out if you want to be doing everything and go, go through this at least once a year. Okay. And stop doing things because you have to do them, do them because you want to do them. It's like, okay, Kate, um, easy for you to say, do you have to take out your trash and wash all your clothes and cook all your meals? Every day because I don't want to do it, but I have to do it because I don't have the sources, the resources to help me with that. Hmm. Let's just question that for a little bit. What if you didn't do your laundry? You could just put on the same dirty clothes you wore the day before and the day before. And I mean, we haven't had a children's book about this, you all. And she wears these smelly, smelly socks for a whole year until her friends finally like throw her overboard and give her a shower and all this kind of stuff. You could do that. Yes. Would it be gross to you? Probably. Would it be smelly? Yeah, but you could do it. Because there's, guess what? If you look out on those corners when you're driving your car through major intersections, somebody else is doing it, okay? So you decide if you want to be doing every single job, task that you have in your life, and, and own it, okay? Own your decisions. Number two, encourage your spouse to aim for their dreams. I love how Hala said, you know, even when she is fulfilled, it's not enough. She wants her her husband to be fulfilled too. And he didn't quite know that he wasn't fulfilled, but she knew there was something more, right? There was something missing. Okay, so how can you just support your spouse? Whatever it is, they really excel at. They really want to do. How can you help them navigate their journey on their life? Encourage. First of all, just show up loving. Encouraging. Not by telling them what they should have done or what they could do. Or maybe shooting down their impossible goals and dreams. Encourage. Support. Love. Number three. The difference between happily ever after and not is when somebody has completely lost their self in their relationship, lost their self in their career, lost their self in parenthood, right? So who is it? Who, which couples are happily, happily ever after? Well, first of all, they're probably the couples that are constantly working on their thoughts and questioning their beliefs and growing together and separately. I love how the officiant of Hall's wedding kind of pointed this out as, I've married hundreds of people, thousands of people. I know what works out and I know what doesn't. I've been doing this for years. When you have not yet worked on yourself, created happiness for yourself, or created that life that you want to to be living or are currently doing it, then you start to lose yourself in in the journey, the relationship journey. You start to look for the other person, the other spouse to create that for you. And it's so difficult for one spouse to hold that burden. So when marriages go sour, it's usually because one or both people don't really know who they are anymore, or who they have become, or they just don't, they lose sight of who they of who they want to be. To remember who you are. An easy exercise you can do today is to just jot down all the roles in your life, figure out if you want to be doing them, and then ask your future self, I love how Hala talks about her future self, her greatest mentor, her best mentor, and ask her him or them, is that, how, 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 how can I get there? Is that who I want to be? Or how can I tweak that? And I hope you walk away asking yourself, What is possible for me? What do I want my life to look like now? How can I live like I'm retired now? What do we want our life to look like once our kids are grown? Or once I don't have a job to go to every single day? Patience to answer to. Maybe you will be one of those people who serves patients till the very end. More power to you! What do I want my life to look like while I'm still seeing patients? And if you guys want to connect with Hala, you probably know where to find her. She she's the uh, founder of PMG, Physician Mom Group, Physician Moms Group, and she also is uh, has a coaching group and does one on one coaching. Although she is uh, currently filled up, she, you can get on her wait list. Go to www.drhalasabry.com. That's D-R-H-A-L-A-S-A-B-R-Y.com. Thank you so much for listening. If you are finding the concepts I teach in this podcast useful and want more in-depth, personalized support for your relationship, consider this your invitation to join me in creating the most connected and intimate relationship with your spouse that you could dream of. Go to www.medicinemarriageandmoney.com right now and download my 18-page medical marriage survival guide and workbook at no cost to you. It has been known to decrease fighting, rumination and grudges between your loved ones. If you want to take it a step further, really enhance the joint connection in all of your relationships, including those most intimate and dear to you, sign up for a discovery call by clicking contact us and book a free consultation. Thank you for leaving a five-star review and for telling your friends about the podcast. You have the power to improve someone else's life simply by sharing and reviewing this podcast. Much love to you and your spouse. You are exactly where you need to be in this.